Thrilling with anticipation, Jenny shut the door and looked up at Ron. She had never had anything so important to reveal. Ron had. She remembered how he'd come home from his first year at Hogwarts, bursting with pride and excitement over all he'd done. The only time she had told her family a secret, it had been dark and awful, and it had disappointed everyone. Not this time. What problems? Ron repeated, sounding torn between annoyance and anxiety. He made it sound like you're going to raise the spirits of the dead. Contact Sirius if there are any problems and he'll know what to do. What's going on? Well, if you'd stop talking, Jenny said, hurrying to keep up with Ron's long strides as they walked away from Lupin Lodge and down towards the notch, and slow down. Ron slowed his pace. Late afternoon shadows fell around them, and a cold wind cut down the street, giving all the leaves in sight a furious ruffle and making Jenny shiver. She had forgot her cloak. Well, Ron prompted when she didn't begin. Jenny hesitated. She had imagined, many times, telling everyone about her gift. She hadn't been able to tell anyone for herself yet. Remus had informed her that she was a healer, and he must have spoken with Sirius. Harry had found out in the worst possible way. She wanted someone to be happy for her. "'It's about what I'm studying with Remus,' she began. "'I've been... taking an extra class.' Ron laughed. "'Did Hermione trick you into it?' "'Hermione doesn't know about it. "'No one knows except for Remus and Sirius and Harry.' Ginny glanced sideways at her brother to gauge his reaction. Ron looked intrigued. "'What's the mystery class?' he asked. Ginny searched herself for a dramatic, important way to say it, but it came out very simply. "'Healing.' Ron's eyebrows shot up. "'Oh, really? I didn't know that you wanted to be a Meta-Witch, Ginny. That's cool. You could take over for Madame Pomfrey or work at St. Mungo's. No, I know what you should do. Work with Quidditch players and—' "'No, wait!' Ginny laughed. Not medicinal magic. She took a breath and slowed down to watch Ron's face. Empathic magic. I'm a healer. Ron's face was blank for a long moment, and then his eyes widened, his mouth gaped, and he tripped over a stone in the road. You're joking, he whispered when he'd regained his balance. Not a real healer, like, like, Glenhilda of Grossmoor. Ooh, someone passed his history of magic exams, Jenny teased, tingling all over. Ron was impressed with her. She couldn't remember his ever having looked at her with such respect, not even during the war. No, be serious, Ron demanded, coming to a full stop and turning to face her. A healer? But that's almost... They're so rare. He stared at her. The Ministry could use one now, couldn't they? There used to be some that worked for, I think, the Department of Mysteries. But no one knows for sure, of course. And then... And then they were killed. And now there's me. Jenny felt, for the first time, a strange weight on her shoulders. She had rarely thought of herself as a professional healer, active in the world. She had never imagined herself at the Ministry. The only goal in her mind, for quite some time had been making herself strong enough for Harry. "'How do you know you are one?' Ron crossed his arms and peered into her face. "'Don't you need to be, I don't know, tested?' "'No. 
Another cold, brisk wind skittered down the road, scattering dead leaves and gravel, and Jinny hugged herself. Let's keep walking, she said, through chattering teeth. She and Ron hurried forward. They turned on to the little path that crossed the garden of the notch, and Jinny nearly ran to the door. Once inside, she wasted no time in lighting a fire, and then continued to explain to Ron, who stood like a statue by the mantelpiece, frowning at her. Remus worked it out, she said, after I made the wolfsbane potion. I'd showed other signs. I knew things I couldn't have known. So he searched for a book on the subject, and I read it, and I just knew. She sat in the corner of the sofa and cuddled into the cushions, basking in the warmth of the fire. The more I practice, the better I get. Ron was quiet. A clock ticked in the little kitchen, and Hedwig hooted softly from Harry's room. Jinny made a clucking noise with her tongue, and the snowy owl flew out to perch on the arm of the sofa. She rubbed her smooth head on Jinny's shoulder. "'Good girl,' Jinny murmured, and gave Hedwig an affectionate buzz on the feathers. "'You miss Harry when he's gone all day, don't you?' Hedwig hooted. "'So you're a healer,' Ron said flatly. He was still frowning. "'Then what can you do?' Jinny shrugged. "'Loads of things.' weird things. For example, she turned to Hedwig and smiled. Sit still, please. Jinny raised her hands and held them over the owl's warm, feathery body. Her eyes unfocused, and she searched, with her extra sense, for any sign of distress. But Hedwig was perfectly healthy, and Jinny had no work to do. Ron cocked his head to one side. What are you doing? he asked. She shook her head. Nothing. Hedwig's fine, so I'll have to work on you. Come sit by me. Ron started. What, me? Yes, you. She patted the cushion next to hers. Please, Ron, I want to show you, and I could really use the practice. I never get to practice on people. Oh, great. You're not going to damage me, are you? Ron grumbled, but he had stopped frowning. He looked interested and oddly shy. I should just come sit over there? Yes. He came to the sofa and sat gingerly beside Jinny. Then, seeming to remember something, he sprang up and backed away from her, wide-eyed. What? Jinny asked, hurt. I'm not going to hurt you, I promise. No, it's not that. It's... Ron was red. I've read about healers. Can't you feel feelings? Other people's feelings? Oh, that. Jinny laughed. Yes. Come sit down. No way. Ron walked around the sofa, still red in the face. No offense, Jin, but I don't really need you knowing all my personal business. Jinny pursed her lips. If he wasn't going to let her practice, then she was never going to get a chance to build up her strength. Ron, I already know how you feel about Hermione, she said slowly. But Ron had disappeared into the kitchen. You know, I'll bet you can practice on Hermione when she comes home. I had a letter from her this morning. She'll be home at the winter solstice. Ron, don't change the subject, Jinny begged, turning around and kneeling up on the sofa to plead into the kitchen. There's nothing you can't tell me. I'm your sister. Ron kept his back to her and dug in the cabinets. I know, and look, I'm massively proud of you and everything. Don't get me wrong. Please. He turned around, pumpkin pasties in his hands, and met her eyes. Jenny, 
I'll just do a physical sweep, Jenny promised quickly. I won't have to touch you at all, and I won't interfere with your emotions if you don't want me to. But you have to let me practice. You don't understand what it's been like. She took a deep breath and decided to be truthful. You remember the other week when Harry and I weren't speaking and you thought we were fighting? We weren't. Not really. It's just that when I get too near him, his presence overwhelms me and I... I pass out. You pass out? Ron repeated doubtfully. Yes, once I did. We had just started kissing. Jenny stopped. She had to smile at the slightly nauseated look on Ron's face. All right, sorry. Let's just say that I opened up to him too much, and I wasn't strong enough to handle it. He's been through a lot. Then won't you pass out when you open up to me? Ron asked, sounding very uncomfortable. I mean, it's not like I haven't had my share of... It's not the same, Jenny assured him. It's not... Harry had a horrible childhood on top of the rest of it. Also, I feel things for Harry that I don't... Well, she giggled nervously. Ron pulled a face. <laughs> yeah, let's hope not. So can't I just try, Ginny pleaded. Won't you sit by me? I have to build up my strength, and I'd much rather have you help me than anyone else. You're my favorite brother, you know. Ron rolled his eyes. Flatterer he muttered, but he looked pleased, in spite of himself. No, you really are, Jinny pressed, sensing how close he was to giving in. And if you won't help me, then I'll have to ask the twins. She put out her bottom lip. Don't make me go to Fred and George. Have a little pity. Sighing, Ron tossed the pasties onto the counter and came back around the sofa. You owe me, he warned, and dropped onto the cushion beside her. Jinny grinned and threw her arms around him. Oh, thank you, she said, squeezing him tight. All right, all right, Ron pulled out of her grasp. Just do whatever it is. Okay, you just sit still and stay quiet. Ginny breathed deeply and shut her eyes. She held up her hands. The first thing she felt was heat. Stronger than Harry's, stronger than Remus's, on par with Sirius's, perhaps. She moved her hands slowly from side to side, dragging her palms and fingers through the air around her brother. "'Your energy's huge,' she murmured, pulling her hands away to measure how far the heat radiated from him. "'Wow!' "'What does that mean?' Ron demanded. "'Is it bad?' "'No, it's just you.' Jenny smiled at the tension that had crept into his energy. "'Relax,' she said. "'I'm just going to see if you're injured anywhere.' Well, I think I twisted my... Shh, don't tell me. Let me work it out. Ron went quiet, and his tension abated. Ginny opened her eyes a little and moved to sit on the little table in front of the sofa, where she could face him. She held her hands over the center of his chest, passed them across his shoulders, and felt her way down both arms, through an unbroken shield of warm, magnetizing energy. When she came to his left wrist, there was a bump in the air, hot and tightly knotted, and she shut her eyes to feel it more fully. "'You twisted your wrist,' she said, gently pushing her thumb against the knot. "'Right,' Ron sounded dazed. "'Can you really tell?' "'Yes. Happiness flooded Ginny, and she had to wait and calm down before she could continue to work on him. 
She brought her fingertips to either side of the knot at his wrist and began to knead it, taking care not to rush herself. She wasn't sure of what to do, but her reading had told her to trust her instincts, and her instincts told her to massage the pain and dissolve it into the air. Several minutes later, the knot was gone. Ron's energy was once more again unbroken. Move your wrist, Jenny said, opening her eyes. Ron bent his wrist back and forth, then stared at her. It's better, he said, sounding as though he couldn't quite believe it. That's amazing. She grinned and blushed, not sure what to do with the compliment. It wasn't the way that she and Ron usually talked to each other. Thanks. Oh, and there's a bit of a bruised patch here. She let her hand hover just above his leg and pointed to his knee. But it's not in pain any more. It's an old injury, isn't it? That's exactly where Sirius broke it, third year, Ron said, still staring at her. Jenny, do you have any idea what this means? Do you know how how valuable you are? She shrugged, delighted. I can't do much yet, she said, as modestly as she could. Do Mum and Dad know? No. Ron's eyes flew wide. No, he nearly yelled. Don't you want them to know? Dad should know. Oh, don't tell them, Jenny pleaded. I want to tell them myself, when I'm ready. Well, when's that going to be? When I've practiced a bit more, Jenny said, biting her lip. Can I practice a bit more? she asked, and held up her hands. Ron nodded, and Jenny happily shut her eyes and brought her palms closer to his shoulders. She swept them up the sides of his neck, and brought them to hover in front of his face. Ron began to laugh. What the hell are you doing? he said, and Jenny felt the vibration of his voice against her hands. Checking your face, she protested. My face is perfect, if you couldn't tell, Ron joked. Get your hands out of it. But Jenny's fingers were sensitive, and Ron's forehead was blistering with knots. They weren't hot. They were old and faded. But they were there. Oh, you got hurt, she breathed, and brought her hands higher up. The crown of his head was also riddled with knots, dark, bruised, no longer in pain, indicative of something that had happened. Recently, his temple positively throbbed. Well, Malfoy punched me there, Ron said matter-of-factly. That's probably it. Yes, partly. Worried, Jenny worked her fingertips through the throbbing energy at his temple and brought them back through the minefield of little knots that covered his forehead and skull. But that's not all of it. You hurt your head. Repeatedly. Someone must have hit you, or... Ron's energy went cold all over, and Ginny felt it against her skin. Something frightening touched her heart. Probably a bludger or something, he said tightly. You're really good at this. That's about enough practice, don't you think? He was lying. His aura thrilled with fear. He was hiding something. The great warmth around him contracted, making the space around him feel empty and dead. Ginny opened her eyes and searched his. "'What happened to you?' she whispered. "'That's not normal.' "'Oh, come on. I've tripped and hit my head loads of times,' Ron said, and gave a false laugh. "'Get your hands down.' Ginny did not lower her hands. She felt around the sides of his head and reached for his shoulders to test his back. 
I said, get your hands down. Ron was not joking. His voice was hard and flat. Now. They hurt you, she heard herself say, not knowing what she was talking about at first. When they took you. Tell me what happened. Shut up. But she couldn't. Something dark and ugly had happened to her brother, and he had kept it tight within him for nearly a year. Tell me, she repeated, bringing her hands to hover just above his heart. I need to know. You don't want to know, Ron said quietly, and I don't want to talk about it. It was more than he had ever said to her about his abduction, and Jinny's eyes filled with tears. Just hearing him acknowledge that it had happened made it feel real again, and immediate, and she had a strong urge to sob. Her head began to hurt. His energy, which had been simple and straightforward just a moment ago, was now deep and draining. She felt dizzy. "'You look sick,' Ron said, after a moment. "'I'm fine,' Jenny said automatically, shaking herself. If she could hear him out, if he would tell her what had happened, and if she could stay close to him while he did it, Remus would never allow her to try this, but she wasn't going to ask his permission. She needed more than practice now. She needed to know what happened to Ron. "'Why haven't you ever told any of us what they did to you?' she asked, meeting his eyes. "'You didn't even tell Hermione or Harry, did you? Or Mum or Dad?' Ron gave a quiet, bitter laugh, so unlike his usual one that Jinny felt a stab of nausea. "'Tell Hermione?' he said softly. "'What, after what they did to her parents?' So she can imagine it in detail? I don't think so. And if you think I'd tell Mum what it's like to... Ron stopped himself. She'd go crazy thinking about how it was for Percy, he finished. But Harry? Jinny pressed. Harry thought it was his fault. Ron sat back against the sofa cushions and leveled Jinny with his gaze. He thought everything was always his fault. He still does. I'm not going to add to that. Jinny's tears spilled over, and she bent double, burying her face in her knees. She didn't want to cry. She wanted to stay strong and to build her endurance, but it was too much. Ron had never inflicted the details of his experience on anyone. They were all buried close to his chest, and now that she opened up to him, she could feel all of it. It pressed on her, and she ached. Ron patted her head. It's all right, he muttered. It's over. I'm fine. No, you're not, Jinny sobbed. I can feel it. You said you weren't going to do that, Ron protested, but he kept patting her head. I can't help it, she managed. I want you to tell me what happened. She felt a very soft brotherly kiss on the top of her head, and Ron sighed. No, it's no good to bring it all up. Jinny lifted her head and swiped at her eyes. But you have to, she choked, trying to regulate her breathing again, or it'll just stay in you forever. There's no way around that, Ron said with a wry smile. I know, Jinny said, squaring her shoulders and sniffling back the last of her tears. But you can make it less horrible to remember. I can help. Ron put his hands on his knees and looked at the floor.
For a long time, he didn't answer. And then, and then, can you, he said abruptly. Yes. Do you know what you're doing? Jenny hesitated. I'll know, she finally said. Ron nodded. What do I have to do? Just talk. He nodded again and set his jaw. It was Lestrange, he said distinctly, though his voice was very far away and he kept his eyes on the floor. She bashed me over the head, bone-crushing curse. Not enough to knock me out, though. They needed me awake. Ginny stayed very still. They? she asked quietly. Her. Her husband. Crab. Goyle. Their dads, not Vincent and whatever. Gregory, Ginny supplied. Where were you? You know that, Ron said sharply. Just tell me everything again. Start from school. How did they... take you? You know that, Ron repeated, turning angry eyes on her. Can't I just... No. Ginny touched his shoulder, and to her surprise, his posture relaxed. From the beginning, she said as gently and as professionally as she could manage. Ron gave her a weary look and returned his gaze to his feet. He propped his elbows up on his knees and ran his hand through his hair, making it stick up nearly as badly as Harry's. Right, he began. Well, for starters, I was knackered. Hadn't slept in two days, what with head boy business, studying for the N.E.W.T.'s, looking after Harry and trying to catch time with Hermione. He laughed. Not like that ever happened. Anyway, it was two days before Christmas holidays, at lunch, when this little third year comes up and whispers to me that she's scared to go outside for care of magical creatures because she heard that there were creatures coming out of the trees. Ron rubbed his eyes. I said, Creatures? What do you mean? And she said that a Hufflepuff boy in her herbology class had told her that he'd seen hooded creatures coming out of the Whomping Willow and going back in again. Of course, she didn't know about the passageway, so I told her it was a load of rubbish, and she had nothing to fear as long as she kept her eyes open and her wand ready. Ron sighed. Then I took Hermione aside and told her that, at the first opportunity, we had to go out there and check that passageway all the way down to the Shrieking Shack to make sure no one had found a way into Hogwarts again. And you didn't go to Professor McGonagall, Jenny mused. Ron shrugged. We never went to Dumbledore when he was alive. Why would we go to McGonagall? All right. Go on. I wanted to tell Harry, but Hermione wouldn't hear about it. Hermione practically had kittens when I said we should go and get him to come with us. She said we'd wait until after classes, get you to stand in for us, and duck out after school before dinner to check the tree. So we lied to you. Hermione told you we really wanted to have a walk together, and you felt sorry for us and agreed to keep an eye on things, and we left the common room. Ron narrowed his eyes at his feet. In the corridor, right outside the portrait hole, I said I had a bad feeling that someone was around. Hermione got out her wand and did a tracking charm, and you know that's just impossible in school. Too many footsteps everywhere, and we had no way of narrowing it down, so we just kept going. We got down about three flights of stairs when we heard shouting from right outside the charm's classroom. 
A Ravenclaw seventh year had a Slytherin sixth year up against the wall. It looked like they had been dueling, although now that I look back, it seemed staged. Hermione froze both of them in about two seconds and gave them a furious lecture, and then hauled them off to McGonagall. Ron shook his head. But first, she told me I wasn't to do anything without her. She told me to go upstairs and wait for her to come back. But you went. He was getting to the part of the story that no one had ever heard before. Jenny straightened her spine and tried to clear her mind of everything. I was worried about what that girl had said at lunch. It was dark, and it had been hours since I'd heard the rumor, and no one had made an attempt on Harry in months. It was all too dodgy. I went outside and jogged toward the tree. I heard Fang barking his head off, which only made me run faster. I got to the willow and didn't see anyone around. I did revealing charms and stuff to be sure that no one was standing beside me in an invisibility cloak, and then I did the stupidest thing I've ever done. He smiled slightly, and that's saying something. I picked up a stick, prodded the knot, got into the tunnel. I felt so sure I could handle... He stopped, shook his head, and stood up. "'Where are you going?' Jinny demanded. "'To get something to drink.' "'No, sit down.' Jinny pulled her wand, concentrated hard, and circled it above the table. Instantly there appeared a glass of water. "'Hey!' Ron raised an eyebrow. "'Materialization!' "'Well, I am studying for the N.E.W.T.s,' Jinny reminded him, and because it had worked before, she touched his shoulder. "'Please, keep going.' Ron gave her an apprehensive glance, then sat back against the sofa cushions and turned his face away. "'I don't remember what happened in the tunnel,' he said stiffly. "'None of it?' Someone shouting, "'Stupefy!' and when I woke up, I couldn't move. Or see. Jinny braced herself. "'Why not?' "'Blindfolded. Strapped to a... not a chair, really. More of a throne. They'd rolled up my sleeves, and it was cold on my arms.' I think it was made of pewter or something. I saw it later. If Ron's voice had been distant before, now it was so far away that it was no longer his own voice at all. He spoke slowly and softly, as if in a dream. Jinny reached out her hands to feel the air around him. It was no longer dead and empty. The natural heat of his energy radiated around him again, but patches of it were cold and hard. Jinny found one with her hands and let her intuition guide her. Carefully, she began to massage the tension only she could feel. "'Who was it that stunned you?' she prompted, trying to keep the fury out of her voice. "'I don't know for sure,' Ron went on, still sounding dazed. "'But I'm betting on Crab, because it was him they were threatening when I woke up. Him and Goyle.' The Lestranges kept ranting about how they were supposed to come back with Harry Potter, not me. I was useless, they kept saying, and when the Dark Lord arrived, he'd do to Crab and Goyle what he'd planned to do to Harry. Ron gave a disgusted snort. They had Goyle blubbering. Crab just kept saying that it wasn't his fault, and said I wasn't useless after all. I was bait for Potter. Crab sounded pretty desperate, but he convinced the Lestranges to wait for Harry's arrival. I could tell by Crab's tone that he was bluffing. He didn't think Harry'd show up. He was just buying time. The Lestranges were smarter. They thought Harry would come. And you? Jenny moved her hands to another cold spot and began to work on it 
as if she were untying a very complicated knot. Ron turned and looked her in the eyes. I knew he'd come, he said simply. And Hermione. Ginny moved her hands again, and Ron watched her fingers. What's that you're doing? Helping, she replied. Don't ask me to explain it. Just tell me what happened next. Ron reached for his water and took a long drink. I need something stronger, he muttered, when he set the glass down. What happened next? He gave a laugh that was a half sigh. Truthfully, it's a little pathetic. I had to sneeze. I couldn't hold it in. I tried. They realized I was awake. They stopped talking. And Mr. Lestrange got right up in my face and started bribing me. The heat began to drain from around Ron, and Ginny didn't know where to put her hands. It seemed the whole room was suddenly tight and cold. A wave of nausea rolled through her, and she felt her heart speed up to twice its normal rate. How? she asked, pressing her eyes shut. Ron didn't notice her distress. Money, he said. Everything. Anything I wanted, he said. He knew I was poor, knew I felt it, knew where I was vulnerable. The Lestranges know everything about me. Everything. They must have picked Wormtail's brain and studied Crouch's notes. Notes? Well, there were just things they couldn't have known. My academic weaknesses. And Wormtail, well... He knew everything about all of us, Ginny said, trying to keep from slumping. Ron's emotions were growing raw by the second, and his voice was speeding back to normal, as if now that he'd consented to talk, he couldn't stop. Everything, from how jealous I was of Harry, down to what I saw in the mirror of Ersted. Because I told him. Ron laughed coldly. I used to talk to him, you know, the way kids talk to pets, not realizing that he was listening. So Lestrange got up in my ear and fed it all back to me. You know you want this, he said. You know how you really feel about Potter. It's all right. It's natural. You've worked hard, and you'll always have to work hard, because you were born into your family. And what do you have to show for all you've done? How are you celebrated? You know what you're known as, don't you? Potter's sidekick. His tag-along. Your work is in his shadow, and you'll never have the recognition you deserve. Not without help. Not while you're next to him. What makes you care about him, really? What did he do to deserve you? Or any of what he has, for that matter. Potter was born. That's all he ever did to get what he has. We are trying to set things right. You have to understand that our Lord only wants justice. Justice for people like us, who didn't get it easy and who need a leg up in the world. Ron was breathing heavily, and his face was flushed. His eyes had fallen shut, as if he were blindfolded again, hearing it all happen again. Ginny held her stomach with both hands, unable to help him any longer, hoping that she could stay alert long enough to hear him out, now that he'd begun. He talked and talked. It felt like forever. I didn't move or make a sound, but I hated myself for that hour because he was saying all the things I tried so hard to hide from everyone. He was right about me. No. Yes. Ron's tone left no room for argument. Don't hate me, Jen. I didn't mean to be jealous of Harry. But you can only stand by and watch the glory for so long before you get resentful. And I never, never acted on it. Not when it counted. But I felt it. And it was enough to let Lestrange under my skin. And he knew it. 
He kept on talking, telling me how undervalued I was, how talented and how brave, and what a pity it was I was going to waste away as an extra at Potter's side, and how powerful I could be, and how wealthy I would be, and how much I was already valued by the Master and the Master's army, and how welcomed I'd be if I'd accept their help and give them mine. And when I still didn't answer, the Lestrange's woman started laughing from across the room. I heard her footsteps come towards me, felt her get behind me, and put her hands on my shoulders. Jenny opened her eyes. Ron's energy had changed again. She thought he might throw up. What is it? she managed. She just rubbed my shoulders, Ron answered weakly, his eyes still shut. But God, it was disgusting. I'd rather have the Cruciatus. Kept it up the whole time she talked. And she was talking about Hermione, telling me that the only way I was going to protect her from death was to join them. If money wouldn't move you, she said, and if power is no object, then perhaps you'll give up your pride for your girlfriend's life. What did you say? Nothing. I wanted to. But all I had going for me was that they didn't know what was going on in my head. She kept going, saying things like, It's too bad about her parents, isn't it? And I kept wishing death on them and praying that Harry and Hermione wouldn't show up. But I wouldn't speak. I never spoke a word. And finally she let go of my shoulders and bashed me over the head. Hard. I shouted bloody murder and she laughed at me and said she was surprised I wasn't a mute. And then she did it again. Ginny could hardly breathe. He was only telling her the things that words could describe, but she could feel the rest of it, his residual pain, the isolation and darkness he had felt, the helpless terror and the not knowing, the sickening fear that he would lead his friends into a trap and that he would never see his family again. A sob caught in her lungs and pressed against her ribs, and she shuddered. Ron's eyes flickered to her, and a guilty, worried look crossed his face. He shook his head. You don't want to hear this. Jinny pulled her knees up under her chin and hugged her legs. Talk. Are you going to pass out? No. Ron didn't look convinced, but he continued. Lestrange said she knew Harry had a secret keeper, and she knew that I knew who it was. All I'd have to do to go free, she said, was to name the person. That was the first time I spoke. I started laughing and asked her if she'd ever read anything about the Fidelius charm, because if she had, then she might have noticed that it's dependent on absolute secrecy. If Harry got a secret keeper, I told her, then I'd hardly know about it, would I? He gave a dry laugh. And that's when I found out what the Cruciatus feels like. Ginny could tell he was trying to smile, to make light of his memory, but he failed. His face was very white and though her stomach was tight with nausea and her head felt light and achy, Ginny couldn't help but put out her hand and grope for Ron's. He took hold of her fingers. "'You've never felt it, have you?' he asked, glancing at her. Ginny shook her head. "'Good. It's as bad as they say it is. Worse. I screamed, begged her to stop, tried not to blubber, but it's not the sort of thing you can help.' She stopped and asked me again for information. I told her she could... Ron said a few words that made Ginny glad that Hermione wasn't within earshot. And then she put the curse on me again. Several times. By the middle of the night, 
or early the next morning, I don't really know when. I was in so much pain that if I'd had any information to give, Harry might have been in danger, but I knew nothing. Harry never had a secret keeper. I didn't know that at the time, and I'm glad I didn't. By the next day, I think, all four of them were in on it. Harry hadn't come, and they were starting to panic. They'd even wasted Veritas serum on me and got no thanks for it. They had nothing to give Voldemort, not even information. Just miserable, useless me. Ron, their words, not mine. I had four curses on me at once, and them all screaming at me. You're Potter's best mate. Do you think we'll believe for a minute that you're this clueless? Ron rubbed his temples. But I was. Finally, the Lestrange woman stopped them and grabbed my face in her hands and got so close that I could smell her breath and she said that the one they really needed to interrogate was the girlfriend with the brains. She shouted at Crabbe to go and take any measure necessary to get Hermione, if Harry was still out of reach. She said she'd take my blindfold off when my sweetheart arrived, so I could watch everything, and her husband started laughing, and in this really sick voice he said, Everything. And for a second I thought I was going to break the straps on my arms and legs. I was so angry. Ron... Jenny didn't know what to say. She squeezed her brother's fingers and kept listening. At the end of that day, Crabbe returned empty-handed, said he couldn't find Hermione or Harry, and it wasn't safe to trespass on Hogwarts grounds at the moment. All I heard in reply was a crack and a thud from the other end of the room, and Goyle started blubbering again. Mr. Lestrange started muttering to his wife about letting Voldemort deal with me. The master, he said, had ways of getting information out of people. I felt hands on my wrist, felt the straps coming loose, and assumed they were taking me to Voldemort. I thought, if only I hadn't just been Cruciatus cursed to within an inch of my life, I could really fight right now. It seemed stupid of them to let my wrist go when there were ways of keeping a person bound and transporting them. But I was too drained to think straight. The hands on my wrist left the strap slightly loose and moved around on my other side. I felt some sort of silky material between my skin and the fingers that were touching me. At first, I didn't know what to make of it, and then... Ron stopped and clenched Jenny's hand, and she felt a rush of love and gratitude so strong that it was nearly as overwhelming as the pain she had felt earlier, only its effects were quite the opposite. Jenny found herself able to sit up straight again, without pain. "'I felt that weird, silky material on my ear,' Ron said quietly, his eyes shut. I felt breath, and I heard her say, "'It's me, Ron. Don't move.' "'Hermione,' Jenny murmured. "'She'd left Harry behind a tapestry. We were too big to get under the invisibility cloak all at once anymore. I didn't know at the time, but she'd practically had to cripple Harry to get him to stay in the corridor.' She didn't want him coming into the room, didn't want him to be discovered for any reason. And and we might have been able to take them by surprise if it weren't for Bloody Crouch and his defense against the dark arts lessons. They knew I couldn't fight the Imperius. They knew it. Jenny held his hand more tightly still. His voice was harsh, and his shame and anger flooded the air. They put the curse on me just as Hermione was loosening the last strap on my ankle, so that I'd go without a struggle. Of course, they thought they'd still have to untie me, but I was already untied, so I pulled out of my bonds and stood right up to go with them. 
I felt Hermione's hands grip my robes to stop me, which of course everyone could see. Lestrange started laughing, and then Hermione's hands were gone, and I heard her struggling against him. I could hear it. I could have reached up and taken off my blindfold and helped her, but I just stood there and listened to her fighting and losing. And then the Lestrange woman pulled off my blindfold and told me to watch. And I did. Ron began to shake. I just watched them pin her hands behind her back and force her into the same chair where I had just been. They didn't even bother strapping her in. Lestrange got her wand and Goyle stepped up and shot the Cruciatus curse at her before she even had a chance. She was yelling for me, trying to get me to snap out of it, and then she'd start screaming again, and I did nothing. Ron pulled his hand free of Ginny's, put his elbows on his knees, and buried his face in his hands. Ginny's first instinct was to embrace her brother, but even as she reached out an arm, a large knot in the air in front of Ron stopped her. There was something else. There was something more terrible than everything he had just told her. Though her stomach was gurgling unpleasantly, and a small sweat had broken out across her skin, she knew that she was alert enough to carry on. Ron's shoulders heaved, and Ginny closed her eyes, holding both hands out in front of him, and pulled softly. She felt the cushions on the sofa shift, and she knew he was upright again. "'You must have done something, Ron,' she said, her eyes still closed. "'Because you're here, and Hermione's here, and Harry's here. "'What did you do?' "'There was silence for several minutes, "'and Ginny continued to breathe deeply and pull at the air around Ron. "'Then it was Harry. He stopped it. "'He gave up his hiding place?' "'Yes.' Ron was speaking very slowly now, as if he were once again experiencing the helplessness of the Imperius Curse. He'd been watching through the door. He surprised them, disarmed Goyle and knocked out Crab. I'm not sure how, exactly. I was too busy arguing with the voice in my head. He laughed. It was probably really funny to watch, actually. All the time they were torturing Hermione... I would take one step toward her, and then one step back. I was fighting with myself, deciding whether or not to get over there to help her. So did you snap out of it? The knot in the air had moved downward toward Ron's heart, and Ginny felt something like panic. She'd never felt this much movement in an aura before. She knew how to deal with head and back injuries, but Ron was hiding a secret that was buried so deep she felt as if she needed a meta-wizard license just to uncover it. Remus was going to kill her. Why did she never listen to him? Harry threw me Hermione's wand, and I was able to catch it. Mr. Lestrange was laughing. He started shooting little sparks and arrows in Harry's direction. Let's have some fun with the great Harry Potter, he said. They were so stupid. Harry could withstand just about anything at that point. Then everything happened so quickly. The Lestrange woman's voice was in my head. We can't take everyone to see the master, she said. Why don't you use that wand in your hand to help us? Ginny snorted, despite herself, at the impression Ron was doing of the woman's sickly soft voice. Yeah, shut up, Ron answered. She kept talking to me like that. 
bribing me some more and offering to spare my life if I would. Well, anyway, she got tired of trying to persuade me, and I saw her rolling up her sleeve and getting ready to touch the dark mark on her arm with her wand when I heard Hermione moving on the floor. She said she loved me. She'd never really said that before. I mean, we'd never... Jenny allowed herself a smile at her brother's embarrassment, but still did not open her eyes. She could guess he was very red. Recovering herself, she continued to dig with her fingers. The knot seemed to be loosening. Kill Hermione. That's what the Lestrange woman wanted me to do. A soft wind blew around them. Perhaps Ron was causing it, or perhaps they both were. Jenny couldn't tell if it was pain leaving Ron, or if she had naturally conjured up something to soothe him. Her fingers seemed to move without permission. She had no control over them. It frightened her for a moment, but give in to your power, she remembered reading. When it becomes second nature, give in. She did not stop her hands. Kill Hermione, she kept repeating it, over and over and over again. Ron made his noise like pain. For a second, it made sense in my head, and I... She even gave me back my wand so that I could do it with greater force. I raised it. I... I actually pointed it. His voice was heavy and shaking. The knot of all his hidden emotion pulsed beneath Jenny's hands. But Hermione's still alive, Jenny said gently, and waited for Ron to answer. Yes, said Ron, and suddenly the knot went taut and hard. Jenny felt her lungs constrict. She couldn't breathe or move, but her fingers pressed insistently against the anger and fear in the air as Ron continued. I pointed my wand at Mrs. Lestrange, she said slowly. Jenny, I killed her. The knot snapped. There was a wild unraveling, and warmth surrounded them. Jenny gasped for breath and fell forward into the empty space where the pain had been. She hid her chin on Ron's shoulder and groaned, but he didn't help her up. She struggled to sit straight again, and when she finally opened her eyes, Ron was looking at her, his face full of wonder. "'I killed someone,' he said, almost to himself, and then a bit louder. "'I used the killing curse. I didn't even know I could do it. I didn't even know how to do it. But there was a flash of green light just like—' He pressed his mouth shut and didn't open it for a long time. "'What kind of person am I that I can do that?' he finally said, looking into Jinny's face as if she were the only person who could help him. Jinny felt as if her blood were running cold. She could hardly move her mouth to speak. An exhaustion so complete had drugged her senses. "'Hermione and Harry saw,' she managed. Ron nodded. "'But they've never mentioned it.' They love you. He didn't answer. For a long time there was silence, and Jenny felt something new in the air between them. A need for absolution. Dad killed Malfoy, she said thickly, fighting sleep. Ron's face relaxed a little. I know. Harry killed Voldemort. Yes. You saved Hermione. Jenny let her eyes fall shut but not before seeing something good and clean dawn in her brother's face. 
You made the right choice, she murmured. Sleep swept around her in thick, dark, soundless waves, but the story wasn't over. She wanted to ask Ron how they had made it out of that place, what had happened afterwards, and how Hagrid had come to be there. She knew that Hagrid had died that night, but no one had ever told her how. Distantly, a clock struck, and to Ginny it seemed that every chime pushed her further into darkness. With a long breath, she let her mind relax and gave in to the swirling comfort of sleep. Harry should be home soon, Ron said quietly. Sleep vanished, but Ginny didn't move. Harry would apparate into the room at any moment, and if she asked him to, then he would hold her. She wanted him to hold her. She deserved it. Then I can't stay, she made herself answer, and struggled to open her eyes and stand up. She wasn't surprised to feel Ron's arm slip under her shoulders. I could carry you, he offered. No, I can walk. Just help. Ron supported her home. He helped her through the dark and quiet house, into her room, where they both stopped and listened to a wolf's piercing howl and a dog's returning bark. Want pajamas? Jenny shook her head. Too tired to change. She fell into bed and let Ron tuck her blankets around her. Once upon a time, in a far-off land, he said quietly, in a voice startlingly like their father's, there were six mighty wizards and a powerful witch. Oh, my God! Jenny giggled and shut her eyes. Not that old thing. If the first five wizards were mighty, then the sixth one was absolutely brilliant, Ron continued with a grin in his voice. And luckily for the witch, he was usually around to make sure she didn't pass out in the street. Shut up! Jenny mumbled and curled onto her side. He was so amazing, in fact, that every woman in the world was in love with him. He got loads of fan mail, so much that he just couldn't answer it all. So he employed a rough-looking kid with black hair and glasses to do it for him. Jenny would have laughed if she hadn't just dropped off the precipice of sleep and into her waiting dreams. The last thing she heard was a quiet, Thank you. And in her dreams, someone with a very large, warm hand was ruffling her hair.